Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall, on location this week. J.W., how's it going? It's going great. I am still on paternity leave, and we decided to go up to my parents' house. They have a property up in the Thumb of Michigan, a little town called Port Hope. We went to the breakfast place today. There is only one place in town that serves breakfast, but uh, quite nice, quite a pleasant <laughs> experience. And then we toured the town, which was um, walking down uh, Main Street to ship out a couple shirts at the post office and then going to one of their historical society repositories to check out some of the wares. Very, very nice. Sounds like you've been up to plenty of stuff during your paternity leave. Oh, yeah. I took a dip in the lake yesterday. That was very chilly, but <laughs> nice. We have, let's see, on the agenda tomorrow, we're going to go into a town called Bad Axe and do some thrifting. Ooh. So it's, it's, it's just, man, it doesn't get boring around here. <laughs> very, very nice. I'm happy yeah. that you're enjoying your time off. Yeah, it's been really nice. I, I'm just like, I'm dreading, you know, every hour is one hour that's closer to no vacation. And honestly, the last month has been pretty good. Baby is starting to crawl. Oh. So that's pretty cute. And she's, I don't know, she's just smiling at everything. It's really nice. So it's, I, it's been a good paternity leave to hang out with her. And I'm dreading. Well, not dreading going back to work, <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what I mean. So like horrible. you know, the the, vaca- the vacation <laughs> ends, right? It's yeah. it's not so much that you're dreading going back to work. It's like, oh man, well now I can't just lay around and eat key lime pie and <laughs> you look at the lake and you know just uh, go no. thrifting and chill. So anyway, how are you? How's it going, Riley? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, after a busy couple weeks, I feel like my life is back in order. So. Uh, that's very nice going to a wedding this weekend which will be fun and yeah i'm i'm feeling good man i'm feeling good i'm not on the lake eating key lime pie but you know we make do with what we have i've been trying to get people to come up here for a while because it would be a really nice hangout spot my parents just renovated their house up here and it's very open it's got a lot of beds it's got a lot of amenities so it would be like oh man you know that'd be really fun if you know the homies ever wanted to take a vacation to <laughs> small town america but you know maybe next year maybe next year yeah i'm running out of vacation days for this year <laughs> dude tell me about it bro so well we got lots of stuff to talk about today but i think first and foremost we should go ahead and plug again that we do have the tag team merch available at flexdaddy.card slash shop. The shirts are super awesome. JW and I both love them. I'm really excited about the design. I We put a lot of time into crafting the vision for it. And Senior Doom executed perfectly. Uh, so make sure to check out Zachary on Twitter as well. If you haven't already, he does awesome stuff. And make sure to check out the shirts. Get You yep. can get them picked up for Peoria if you're looking to, to rock the, the yeah absolutely that would help me out a lot actually i mean we you know we ship them anywhere 
<laughs> We're worldwide shipping. But uh, if you're coming to Peoria and you want to get your shirt and maybe, you know, maybe you want it signed or maybe you, you just want it hand delivered with the hand touch. <laughs> just hit me up. Flexdaddy.card slash shop. We've made a number of orders. Yeah, again, uh, shipping some out. Ships them out today. So pretty cool. Thank you to everybody that's already purchased a shirt. And if you'd still like a shirt, be sure to get over there. Flexdaddy.card slash shop. Awesome. So let's dive right in then. So in the front half of this episode, we're going to do a digest of some of the recent events in the Pokemon trading card game. Won't focus as much on the metagame of Baltimore because that is now a a dead metagame, so to speak. It's behind us as we look ahead to Peoria. But we will go ahead and talk about some of the outcomes from Baltimore. And then the back half, we'll talk about Peoria and Lost Origins and some of our more developed opinions about the format. Absolutely. First, we should give a massive congratulations to Piper Lapine for her victory in Baltimore. Congratulations to Piper. What a win with their Arceus Intellion. Oh, excuse me, their their Intellion Charizard deck. (laughs) (laughs) Intellion Charizard, obviously super good pick. Piper piloted it amazingly, as you could have seen if you had watched any of her stream games. She really just mastered that deck. Piper has been on an absolute tear since she became a master post-return from COVID, and it's really awesome to see her pick up a win. Yeah, I mean, those stream games, Masterclass and how to play that deck, sadly, were not in that format anymore because I think, you know, going forward, we were both saying, it's kind of funny, on the cast, we were both like, well, this would be the best deck, we think, heading into that metagame, and then Mew would probably be second best, and hey, look what happened. Our Italian Charizard got first, and you literally the best, second best deck. Got second. That's that's really funny. So uh, you know, if you're listening to this cast and you're trying to like divine knowledge from us, I mean, I think we got some good stuff going on here. But yeah, it's it is a huge win. Those stream matches were amazing. Just great displays of kind of the intricacies of that deck and the intricacies of the Pokemon trading card game and. Again, congratulations, Piper. Really big win, and hopefully she'll be able to continue that success moving forward. Absolutely so. However, that was not the only thing that happened in Baltimore this past weekend. We did have multiple allegations of cheating in Baltimore, some with some fairly notable players, Isaiah Bradner caught in the crossfire, uh, so to speak, with accusation of palming a card from the discard pile we also had an instance on stream where a mew player did not really shuffle mm. their deck at all after a rotom phone and and drew back into the other card from the rotom phone. yeah that that one they were both very unusual let's talk about the mew player first and their kind of overhanded shuffle well it was super and... you, go, you go, finish your thought yeah, no, it just it just you look at the shuffle that he did from the Rotom phone, and it's just very obvious. It's like when you when you're doing a, maybe like you're an amateur magician and you're trying to keep <laughs> the top card at the top. Like that's what it seemed. Where it's like he he kind of put things together, but then like didn't finish the process of mashing the cards, and then so the top card just stayed at the top. And uh, so the idea for him was that you know he could keep the card that he wanted at the top. Uh, and then put the, you know, draw into it off the Genesect. Uh, it was just a very unusual shuffle. And it was just so, it was so unusual because it contrasted with some of the other shuffles that he had throughout the match. It was very out of place. 
the maybe the weirdest part to me in addition to just how obvious it was that the top card was intending to stay on top was the uh it was only like three fake mashes you know yes <laughs> like yes. that's already an unacceptably low amount of mash shuffles <laughs> combined with the fact that the method of mashing was it wasn't there there was no method. Right. it was just like intending to keep a card in a certain location and yeah. if you weren't and- intending that what the heck happened <laughs> Well, and and I always say, like, if you are bold enough to do something like that on stream, on stream, <laughs> on stream, on an official Pokemon stream. I mean, if you're bold enough to do something like that, man, I just. What happens on the tables, right? What happens like, on the table? You know, and it, I, you know, and I don't want to say, I don't want to like ever incriminate people that haven't, um, you know that haven't been caught, right? I'm not out here trying to just do hearsay. You know, that's not, we're not trying to drum up any drama. Like it literally, it's cheating, dude. Like it's on the tape, man. Like no one can, you can't really argue it, right? It's on the tape. And so that, it's just, but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? It, Where if they're going to do something like that, if they're going to exploit the rules like that on a streamed match, what would they be willing to do to a newer player, not on stream, the lengths that they would go? I mean, that's not, you know, you could you could do a lot worse of a cheat, I think, than, than what he did. But, you know, that's a whole other topic entirely. But, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff coming out of Baltimore. So there's that Mew event. And then we also have, I mean, the more the more notable one, there there were actually two potential, one potential instance and then one, um, streamed instance of of cheating by Isaiah Brandner from Baltimore. Yeah, so Isaiah had two stories following him in back-to-back rounds, which also isn't a great look. Um, in one of his rounds, I think it was round three and four. In round three, Isaiah was playing against Joey Rojas. Uh, Joey has a, been a longtime player of the game. He actually, throwback, Joey was the player who caught Zhao Zhao back in 2017 18 mm-hmm. uh with the greninja in the lap <laughs> wow i didn't so, real i didn't even connect those two yeah so joey had played against isaiah in round three of baltimore and granted this is all hearsay at this point like there's no footage obviously of, of this event in the same way there is with the with the mew player uh, we'll see we'll see by a with that <laughs> but i think joey's a credible source uh, as far as we're aware at least so Joey played against Isaiah, and looking through the discard pile, noticed that Isaiah did not have two Irida in the discard pile, despite playing them on two prior turns. They both like walked through the turns and agreed that two Irida should be in the discard pile. And Isaiah allegedly does something that I think was really, really strange and a big red flag to anybody who's listening. You should consider this a red flag, where he said, oh, you know, why don't we just like search through the deck and throw an Irida into the discard pile from there? Yeah. To, to me, that was like the shadiest part of the whole story. It was yeah, like that is not the solution. <laughs> no, like under under even like if a judge comes right, like there are some times where I've I've seen players where they're like, oh, I, you know, um, what I don't know, looked at the card, looked at the top card, right, and like you know, there's some situation where it's the low stakes or whatever, and you just show it to your opponent, you keep it on top, right? Like that's what a judge would do. Would they come over, you know, issue a warning, they'd show you the top card, whatever. But to do something that's not even kind of remotely close to what would 
happen yeah. were a judge to come over is just well i, I just uh, think sh- in shady. general yeah. like regardless like not even like focusing on the specific action isaiah suggested despite the fact that specific one is very shady i think just trying to like almost appeal to the person in the moment to fix the situation right, right. it's never a great look you know like i'm yeah. gonna do this crazy random thing just to make this go away is kind of how it reads to me sure um so anyway he offers to to discard an arita from the deck joey says no that doesn't make sense uh do you have an arita in your hand and isaiah does admit right. that he does um and joey says okay you know how did it get there type of situation and, you know, back and forth happens. Joey eventually says, I'm not going to call a judge on this. Put it in the discard pile. We'll call it a day. Um, Isaiah does that. And that's kind of the end of that saga. No judge was ultimately called, which I think was a was a big mistake on Joey's part. I feel like if you're unsure of a game state to this degree, it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, though, accusations of, of palming a, a, a reader from the discard pile. In the following round... Isaiah played on stream against Xander Perot, friends, known each other for a long time. And this one, I think, is perhaps more easily explained away, but that doesn't mean it was okay. And that was Isaiah played in Arita. He grabbed a water Pokemon and the item, and then he put the water Pokemon back and grabbed two items, put them both into his hand, um starts playing some of those cards xander realizing that something was amiss asked isaiah what two cards he had gotten off arita and this is the part where it gets shady again to me is isaiah showed the palkia v star that was already in his hand and one of the items that he got from arita so regardless of if that was intentional isaiah lied there right and he also effectively lied in the prior round about the game state so it, it just isn't a good display of character, at the very least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one one story is hearsay, right? Like, we'll never truly know because it wasn't caught on camera. But um, for for Isaiah, similar to, to Jeremy's, uh, the Mew VMAX player, Jeremy Gamilla's uh, play on stream, we have that footage. We can look back and we can maybe not determine intent outright because you can never – I don't think you can ever truly determine the intent um, but it, it just doesn't look good. No. Right. From, from, you know, as the player that's pl- taking the actions, you know, he, I, it just, I, I can't, you know, as, as a person that's, that's looking through the deck, through the Intellion stuff, of course, maybe, maybe you go a step ahead, right? Like maybe he meant to grab a Drizzile to yeah. grab that other card from the deck, the quick ball or, or whatever else he could cross switcher. Um, but then when you're, when you're kind of, called out on it or, or just, you know, questioned on it and then to, to take it that step further, you know, so, so maybe the first action wasn't a cheat, but then, you know, the, the second action, like covering up that you maybe made an error. That's, it's just gross, man. I I agree. Yeah. It's just gross. I totally agree. Like let's, if we give Isaiah the benefit of the doubt to say that he meant to grab a Drizzile and then grab that item that he grabbed, um, it still doesn't paint like a good picture for him because he is an elite enough player. He's been on stream enough times where he knew that Palkia was in his hand already. He had mapped right. out his turn around the fact that Palkia was in his hand. Right. So 
there's no question, at least in my mind, that he had some semblance of an idea of what he was doing in that moment. Yeah. And I if he didn't, agree. I'm surprised by his like prior history of, of results because that's not the play of an elite Pokemon player if you don't know you have a Palkia in your hand. Yeah, yeah, your main attacker, right? Uh, oh, man. It just, I, uh, you know either die here or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain, right? Like I really, um, you know, admired uh, Isaiah's results and um, not to say that I'm, you know, will never forgive him. And, you know, they uh, deserve to, I don't know, be banned or anything. I don't know. It's just, it's a cheat, right? It's like yeah. you cheat on stream, right? Like that. I don't know. You just have to say something about that. I think the, the, uh, you know, um, it's important to, to whatever degree that people in our community can hold others accountable. I think, you know, on this podcast, I think just general members of the community. I mean, I think we have to, right? Because Pokemon's not doing anything. Um, the, yeah. the cheats have not been caught and not really been addressed as far as we know from the recording of this podcast. So, you know, as much as we can try to keep these people accountable, it's, it's really sad. And again, it makes you think what happens off camera. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of uh, potential, you know, takeaways, lessons for community from here. Um, first potential takeaway is in the wake of like Zach Cooper, and mm-hmm. now these other instances, it seems like Pokemon is is averse to taking any strong action against cheaters. For whatever reason, that does not seem to be part of their mo right now. Uh, which is really disappointing from my perspective. And, I mean, it could be, you know, it could be the type of thing where each tournament is its own entity, right? And they're not really looking at continued, repeated abuses, right? And for Isaiah, I mean, that, you know, this I mean, I incident, think they, they do have records of that stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but... I'm but not saying, like, not, Isaiah should be banned. They're not enacting it, right? I'm not so saying like, Isaiah should necessarily be banned based on no, a stream game. no. But I am saying, like, clearly they're averse to taking, like, more extreme action. Even, like, DQs don't seem like they're being handed out as frequently as they maybe should. Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, who determines when a DQ should or shouldn't be handed out? That's that's kind of... Right. You know, that's... that's Regardless, my point is, like, Pokemon isn't the one who's coming down as hard as they could on mm-hmm. on nefarious conduct in the game yeah so it is kind of on us as a community to identify these behaviors and play the more social approach to it where those people just yeah. simply aren't welcome in our game unless they clean up their act um i think that is a fair community response to the lack of response from the game yeah and i, I don't know not welcome but just you know i, I mean we raise awareness for this kind of stuff i mean sure, it's just, we, we've talked a lot we've talked a lot about you know hey here's how you you know here's maybe some strategies to like prevent cheating um in your individual matches but just the more that we can get word out about hey you know this happened just be on the on the lookout for what um, right. you know players might do you know hey this is a great example right um uh the the joey story where it's like okay if your opponent ever suggest that you do something that no judge would ever suggest then you know maybe that seems a little fishy like your your red flag should go up right right and so you know just just things like that being able to being able to more effectively curb cheating in, in individual games is, is another thing you know again it's like i don't want to like ostracize these people um but things did happen you know and and it's very obvious um that they were caught on camera again. Um, and so, 
you know, do, do I say like, oh, well, we, sh we should socially kick them out of the community. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How will they ever get, you know, garner respect again if they're kicked out of the community? I don't know. Regardless, I think there's the second takeaway is that this stuff does happen and it happens maybe more frequently than we're comfortable truly admitting, especially yeah. in, you know, we've had kind of a colloquial term in our friend group of the 6-0 stimulus package where, yeah. you know, the concept is these people will cheat until they get to a high enough table where people start paying attention to them and then kind of lay right. off of it. Right. Um, and that stimulus package can ultimately get you very far. And I do think that's something that does happen is that opportunistic cheating when it's in the early rounds of a tournament um, or an, an, against an unaware player or what have you. So sure. all listeners out there, I would suggest, you know, be vigilant, watch your opponent's actions. I know I'm guilty of this too, of kind of like zoning out during my opponent's turns at times. Yeah. Or, you know, or just being, I mean, and the other frustrating thing with the way that the game is constructed right now, I feel like when I'm telling players that are like, oh, how do I prepare for regionals? I'm telling them, hey, you got to play really fast. And some of the things that I might say is, hey, you got to be mapping out your turn, maybe on your opponent's turn. You need yeah. to start thinking about what you need to do so that when they finish their turn, you have a game plan and you're not just kind of like looking at your hand for the first time. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't know that I can really, with uh, full um, conviction, give that same comment anymore, right? It, it feels like I need to be watching my opponent at all times on their turn, making sure that everything is played by the book. But then again, the game, like we're saying, you know, you need all those 50 minutes to complete three rounds, uh, three games of Pokemon in, in this current format. So it's just really, um, you know, the, the rules are kind of working against us in that sense as well. I think there are some things you can do, though, and this is ultimately where I'm trailing, to kind of mitigate things in the moment. Uh, first, I would suggest changing your methodology for how you handle your opponent's deck when it's handed to you uh, after a shuffle. You know, a lot of people say always shuffle. I'm actually not necessarily of that opinion. And the reason I say that is if your opponent's like really, really nefarious, they put a card in a certain position in their deck and you shuffle it, then they can cut the deck after you present it from your mm. shuffle so they could theoretically like re-manipulate the deck. Um, I, I don't think many people would do that, but I think it would be the best practice to have some sort of non-regular semi-random cadence of shuffling, cutting in sure. different positions, and even tapping occasionally. Sure. Um, the second thing I would recommend is keep track of your opponent's hand size. You should always know what your opponent's hand should be at, and it is fairly reasonable to actually know what it should be at all points in the game if you're paying close attention uh, and the third thing is even if both if you check both of those two boxes you should know what's in your opponent's discard pile at least right. the most important cards uh, sure. and be able to notice if they're the counts of them are wrong yeah i think that's another thing too is um you know, just when I see people touching their discard pile, I, I, that's another like red flag. I, like obviously searching the discard pile is a very important game, uh, game action, you know, or not a game action, but it's a very important action that you can take in the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, but just anytime I see my opponent messing with their discard pile, maybe like a little too much or, or certainly reorganizing their discard pile, that's a red flag for me. It's just like, oh, my ears prick up a little bit. And I'm kind of hyper aware of what's going on. So, you know, again, another thing that listeners can take from this is, yeah, discard pile awareness is huge. Absolutely. And I think with some combination of those three things, staying vigilant um, and paying attention, alternating your strategy when your opponent presents their deck, 
and paying close attention to discard pile and hand size. If you accomplish all of those, you should be fairly well safeguarded against the vast majority of cheating that happens in the Pokemon yeah. trading card. Yeah, game. absolutely. And then the final piece of that puzzle is just don't be afraid to call a judge. You know, we have a yes. lot of... A lot of new listeners or listeners that maybe haven't played in many regionals and, you know, the judges are there for a reason. So, you know, if worst comes to worst, you call them over, nothing went wrong, and you just clarified that your opponent had the same number of cards in hand that they did earlier in the round, you know, and it's just you make sure, double check, run over some game actions, have a judge there, and things can move along. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid to call a judge. I feel like a little bit of a broken record for that one, but uh, it still kind of remains to be true here is that, I think a lot of issues would have been solved, right? Certainly some of these cases that we're talking about if, if a judge had been, call, uh, been called over. Absolutely. So, so stay vigilant, folks. Uh, be on the lookout. It's up to us as individual members of the game to make sure the integrity of it is upheld. Truth. Last big thing before we jump into our card of the day and Peoria preview is there's been a lot of discourse, JW, about the CP bar, particularly in NA, um, mm-hmm. and the travel costs of NA. It's basically illustrating how difficult it is to realistically get an invite and the amount of money that you would need to invest into the game to mm-hmm. realistically achieve that with average regional finishes. Mm-hmm. 500 is pretty high. You know, it was the bar last year, and a lot of people weren't able to make it, especially with the the lack of cups in the second half mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, GW, what are your thoughts around the 500 CP bar, the traveling, all that kind of fun stuff? I think that a, so I think that world should be an attainable goal by someone who can go to maybe a quarter of regionals. Okay. And I think it should be largely attainable through the local scene because i think at any cutoff right you're excluding people uh to some degree but i think that the local player who has one game store out in the middle of nowhere wyoming should have a realistic chance to make the world championship because what i would like to see at the world championship is not necessarily um you know, the players that have done the best at the biggest tournaments throughout the entire season. I would rather see the players that are the best. And so it's like, well, how do you determine who's the best, you know, but the best from maybe their area, you know, so, so I would like to see an invite achieved. I used to be a little bit against this, but I think the more that I think about it, you know, if you want the best players at worlds, you have to give them routes to get there. And so I would rather see the invite be entire, like not entirely achievable off local events, but only going to, you know, maybe three to four regionals at most uh, to be able to realistically achieve an invite and getting those kind of average finishes. You know, if you can make two regionals and then you get farm the rest off your local system, I think that's fine. You know, honestly, I'm like, and I'm not the one that ultimately is the arbiter of it. But all I mean to say here is that I I want the world's path to be attainable by the player that plays primarily at locals. And right now it's it's simply not. It's it's attainable by the players that uh, travel to six, seven, eight or more regionals and internationals. Yeah, I, I don't know if 
primarily at locals is necessarily the, the phrasing I would use. But I do think someone who who plays in local events goes to their regionals that are like in driving distance, so to speak, um, or short, cheap flights away should be able to get to the world championship. You know, when I think back to when I was in college and, and playing Pokemon with my friends, I had no money and I was still able to go to all these things because there was a bunch of driving ones and I play at my, my local events and that was enough to get me a, a world's invite. Mm-hmm. And I think like other people should be able to have that route. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about the discourse lately is there's been some back and forth about whether or not you should play at these events with the intent of going to worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, but I would also say to the folks who, I do think you should try and enjoy each event for its own merit. Yeah. But I think I agree. realistically like worlds is the carrot, right? Like that is yeah. what you are trying to build up to, you know, you can enjoy each event for its own merit, but also that be the reason that you're doing them in the first place, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what it is for the majority of people who play at these events. Um, yeah, I mean, know, you have these, you have the short-term goal, right, of winning the 5K and, you know, the clout of winning a regional tournament. And then you have the long-term goal. Yeah. And I don't think that those are mutually exclusive. I totally agree. And I think, I think it's dismissive to say that that shouldn't be, <laughs> like, part of your goal. Um, so... Where I'm at right now is I think 500 is a little too high, at least with locals still out of the picture. And maybe they ramp up locals hardcore in 2023, and and I'm surprised by how easy it ends up being. But Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that'll be the case. I think, you know, maybe Cups come back in Q3 or Q4 uh, of the season. But I don't even think it's something you can guarantee either. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I... I mean, it's, I, I would rather see more players at the world championships and have that opportunity because day one in my mind and you know, and I, I think I can say this cause I've bombed day one many times, but day one is not really worlds in my it's mind. It's the qualifier. It's the qualifier to worlds. Okay. So if you're playing in day one, like that, congratulations, you made it that far. Like that's great. You know, okay. You're in, you're in worlds quote unquote, but the real tournament doesn't start until day two. Um, you know, and and so I would rather see that player pool increase as much as realistically possible. Now, should we, you know, hand out, um, you know, invites to anyone that shows up to a tournament? No, I mean there should be some kind of bar. But um, again, that bar I think is a little bit too unattainable for us right now. And and again, I'd I'd rather see uh, it opened up. I'd rather see more players uh, there for the day one and have to go through this insane grinder, but at least have that shot, make it into day two, the quote unquote real world tournament, um, and, and just have that opportunity. I, I, yeah. That's, I think, what what I would like to see. And I think right now with the 500 points for North America, I don't really can I can't really speak for the other zones at this point, but for North America, 500 points. Extremely high without locals. Extremely high, in my opinion. I think a 400, maybe 350 benchmark would be a little bit more reasonable and more attainable for players to hit. But yeah, again, somewhere in that like 350 range feels more appropriate for like a regional only schedule. Yeah. You know, you also yeah. have to regionals. The the points from regionals are honestly kind of paltry. You know, compared they to saw, locals. I mean, that's a whole nother episode, right? Because you're looking at a thousand person regional. In in uh, in Baltimore, and you get points only down to what, two fifty six, and it's not that many, right? I mean, 
the really tragic thing to me is the people who play in day two so they play six extra rounds because it's a, a 15 round tournament once mm-hmm. you cross that 800 person threshold and you could have as low as like 40 cp coming out of that yeah <laughs> 40 yeah. cp for playing 15 rounds and being yeah. one of the top 100 best players yeah. out of a thousand person regional that yeah. is absolutely insane to me and it honestly it gets more egregious as you get like further up you know you're looking at top 60 or top 32 is 60 cp <laughs> right you know right top 16 is 80 cp <laughs> you know you're top 16 out of 1200 people yeah. is 80 yeah. cp that is insanely low yeah it yeah it's right and you think yeah top top 16 80 points that's w- less than a 20th or excuse me that's less than a fifth of the less than, <laughs> less 20%. than a 20th no Holy. less than 20 <laughs> less than 20%, <laughs> less than 20%, less than 20% of the invite and yeah exactly it's wild Less than 20%, man. Right. You could top 16 five times in a row <laughs> and still be short of Worlds invite. Surely you deserve to go to Worlds if that happens. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, look at what happened with Andrew last year, right? That's. I, it wasn't quite that run, but pretty darn close and no Worlds invite for him. So, yeah, I agree. There's something like uh, maybe we can get the competitive organizer and that's on the before phone you get in the, into but. the money aspect <laughs> yeah right so i yeah i think i think right now the bar is a little too high if worlds is the end game and you know historically it is so i would love to see some adjustments they haven't done a mid-year adjustment in quite a while so I but can't it's care. not out of the question it's not out of the question but i don't want to you know i don't want to promise anything either you know, perhaps the the return to locals will make things much brighter. Um, on the flip side, I don't think you should just give up and, and roll over and say that it's impossible. Go to the events that you're already planning to go to, see how you do, play it by ear. If you feel like you have a route, maybe schedule one or two more regionals in there. If yeah. you don't, then at least you had a fun time at the regionals that you went to. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a nice thing about North America too is that there is that that route, like you said, if you can make it to those first few that you're planning on going to and then you're like oh well i'll, I'll see kind of later in the year you know we have that opportunity in north america where we just have uh, more regionals than any other region so if you're kind of getting down in the stretch you're like well you know how much is it worth to me to to go for this invite then you know you could maybe squeeze in on the back half a couple more regionals that you weren't initially planning on going to but yeah it's tough it's tough i i do hope that they adjust things i do hope that they adjust point thresholds and i do hope that they adjust uh, obviously locals coming back is going to be huge for us but we don't even know what that looks like and we're still three months out from that so um yeah it's going to yeah. be a scramble in that back half if it does stay at 500 and if locals don't really increase right like there's no promise that there's going to be more local events so is it still just one per store per quarter and that makes it really hard so um anyone that does get an invite this year hats off honestly i mean seriously it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy crazy rat race (laughs) absolutely anything else on baltimore digestion before we head into the back half dude what a what a tournament man i just all the stories that i heard coming from baltimore were just insane so man just it's good to be back (laughs) 
he's spitting facts. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump then into our card of the day for this week. NJW, I got a fun one for you. So this card is a psychic Pokemon. It has an iconic ability, but this particular print of this ability saw much less play than a future print. And the ability affects your hand size. Um, saw much, much less. Much less. Yeah, play. so this was the first iteration of a psychic Pokemon's ability that affected your hand size. And it was um, printed on oh, another Pokemon later. Got it. Uh, it's Giratina. Yep. Giratina with Let Loose. <laughs> yep. Very nice. I think I gave a little too many hits, but I wanted uh, to be maybe, able to get Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so Giratina from Platinum had the Let Loose ability. For those of you who may, <laughs> may be newer to the game, which is wild to say about Let Loose, uh, Let Loose was an ability on a Marshadow in more recent history where... You bench the Marshadow, and you can put you and your opponent to a four-card hand. The Marshadow was really defining of mm -hmm. the later stages of the Sun and Moon formats. It was just everywhere. It's kind of a plague onto the format. Well, it I mean, if we can make a parallel, right, for those for those new players, um, it's like you see battle v four battle VIP pass in every deck right now. It's kind of that that similar thing, right? Where just people were slapping Marshadows. Sometimes in decks that didn't really deserve to have Marshadows slapped into it. And the, well, everywhere. the worst part about Marshadow was your opponent could bench you on their first turn, put you at four cards before you even got to play, and draw extra cards for themselves. You know, use yeah. this a hand refresh for themselves. Yeah, they could put their hand down to, for you. you. Know, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> on the first turn, yeah, it was really powerful. Uh, and the people that exploited it uh, tended to do pretty well. Yeah, it was completely insane card um and giratina had that same ability in the platinum expansion where you bench it and it puts both players hands to four giratina was a little bit different in context though hard draw was a lot less common at the time there was much more like searching uh picking particular cards out of your deck was the way that you used your supporters turn by turn and so let loose was less coveted because you weren't really trying to like put all your resources back and draw new cards. I yeah. think as people have revisited some of these formats, they've with the more modern understanding of how good let loose is, they've applied that to the platinum era and are trying out Giratina more, uh, but it didn't really get the limelight in its heyday, uh, but super cool. And I wanted to give Giratina a card this week because lost origins is officially legal now. Oh, baby. Yeah, we have lots to talk about from our Lost Origin testing. But first, we have to thank our sponsors of the cast, Manscaped. Absolutely. Manscaped is the most elite men's grooming product on the market right now. They have the Lawnmower 4.0. They got the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. They got all sorts of care products from shampoo, conditioner, body wash, lotion, uh, chapstick deodorant gamers any gamers out there need some deodorant <laughs> and of course the tag team favorite the manscape boxers 2.0 which are so so comfortable i love wearing them and I actually wear them at like every pokemon tournament <laughs> i just wore them to my pickleball match on tuesday there you go so and i can say with confidence that i won more than i lost 
It was my first time playing pickleball, so I'm not going <laughs> to say it was the boxers, but I'm the not correlation's there. It. Correlation is at least there. You know, you can do your own research to see what that <laughs> gets you to. But <laughs> we love the, the products, yeah. absolutely. Riley already mentioned most of the stuff that we've used, and we really like everything. So, if you're in need of some men's grooming products, or or ladies out there too, I mean, honestly, uh, it can go either way, but. Um, Check out Manscaped. And we get a promo code here at Tag Team. So you can help us support uh, you know, support the cast by going to manscaped.com using the code TAG TEAM, all caps, for 20% off plus free shipping. Helps us. Helps Manscaped. Might help us in the future secure more brand deals for you guys. But in any case, manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping with code TAG TEAM. Manscaped.com, 20% off plus free shipping with code TAG TEAM at checkout. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right, JW. Peoria is just a short week and a half away. The first Lost Origins Regional Championship. And the meta has certainly shifted substantially coming out of Baltimore. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the top decks and, and what we've been testing leading up to Peoria? Yeah, I think... The online tournaments are a glimpse into what we might see. Not not the full picture, um, because certainly players are trying out more of the new stuff. You know, there, there's kind of a uh, the low the stakes are very low generally for a lot of players in these online tournaments. So they're going to try out the stuff that they just got right. The shiny new toy, you're going to take it out for for a uh, you know a drive. That said. I think there's a lot that we can harness from the tournament results and some of the trends that we're seeing are very interesting i think there's a surprising lack of arceus decks generally speaking yeah. um, in these tournaments um, there's a lot of one prize box decks so this is the lost zone deck with the cramorant and the giratina and or excuse me the cramorant and the sableye and maybe even the radiant charizard or the radiant greninja some combination, you know, maybe a Giratina package in there too, uh, alongside. But uh, the one prize box I, I generally think about is, is Sableye and Cramorant primarily. Uh, we also see Chiron popping up. That's a pretty popular archetype right now. Off Piggybacking off of the popularity of Palkia and Teleon, but Palkia and Teleon really didn't go anywhere and, and arguably gets a little bit better now that we're seeing a shift away from the lightning-based Arceus Pikachu. Arceus Pikachu right now, not much of a deck to speak about just because you're losing, you know, uh, the, the Palkia and Teleon potentially as, as kind of your primary matchup. Um, the the shift away from basic attackers. I mean, we're not really seeing Lunatone and Soul Rock right now. We're not really seeing Reggie's uh, particular amount. I mean, there's, there's a shift away from these basic attackers more in favor of evolving v stars and v maxes so um you know with with a lack of arceus pikachu which was i would argue the primary lightning based attacking deck you see palky and Talion just kind of doing the things that we knew it could do last format but just was you know was neutered in <laughs> many ways by arceus pikachu yeah i'll also call out in in the Pikachu space, obviously the Lost Box with Sableye and Charizard and Cramorant does use all basic attackers, 
but they have typically four escape ropes in those decks. Mm. So they can very easily chain escape ropes and boss's orders to KO a Pikachu, for example. And the Sableye's Lost Mine also yeah. ignores the effect of Pikachu because Pikachu only blocks damage. It doesn't block anything else. Right. I think for me that, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing there is is that the Sableye places damage counters. So Pikachu's wording with that, yes, you can place damage counters onto a Pikachu that has a tendency. Right. So just purely off Sableye, you can go three for three with a Pikachu. Um, or if you use a combination of Sableye and Charizard, you can get even more favorable trades. So it's not a great time to be Arceus Pikachu. Um, I think other Arceus variants that like lean into healing more are better off in the Lost Box, but then those are worse against Palkia. So it's just it's an unfortunate time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What have you been seeing on the ladder? I think there's one card that I've been seeing an absurd amount of for for what I would argue is maybe minimal return. <laughs> so there is really two archetypes have all are all I'm seeing on the ladder anymore. And the first archetype is Lost Box, like just literally the 60 that won in Japan <laughs> with the Charizard and the Sableye. And the three echoing horn. And the three echoing horn. Yep, I see that like every other game. And then alternating every other game, I see some sort of deck that plays Empoleon, uh, be it a Curum or a Palkia or some other random deck where they just shoved the Empoleon in there and thought that made their deck better. <laughs> and that's also been kind of wild. Now, GW, you and I were talking before the cast, and we're not like huge believers necessarily in the efficacy of a lone Empoleon. Yeah. Um, just feels like you can escape rope around it and just eventually get your attacks going. Yeah. And, you know, once you get moving, it doesn't really matter if the Empoleon is there anymore. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it, it's tough, right? Because if you're playing the single Empoleon then, and you don't get it on on the first turn, then one prize box can, you know, reasonably get the stuff that they need to get going so that they can, you know, uh, attack with their with their Sableye or they can attack with their, you know, Cramorant or whatever they happen to, you know, get going. Um, then, and then obviously you have different counters, right? We were talking about escape rope. You have path of the peak as well. Shut down the ability of Empoleon to get around that, uh, that restriction. So there are just many ways. Um, Canceling Cologne is it. also a cool one. In Canceling Pokestop Cologne. Builds. Yeah, absolutely. So, there are a number of ways to get around that ability. And again, I just don't, I don't know. The one Empoleon just hasn't, in the decks that I've played, where you're like, oh yeah, Empoleon would be really good for this matchup. Sure, it might it might mess with me a little bit. And, and I've lost to a few Empoleon, but I would say on the whole, I have beat any of the Empoleon decks that I play. Like maybe like 65, 35, right? Like, so that's not to say that Empoleon hasn't helped any amount. It, it has, you know, and certainly made the game go a little longer with some of the matchups that I played, but um, is it the end all be all from the games that I've tested a single Empoleon is not. Yeah. I I'm kind of of the opinion. If you really want to do the Empoleon thing, you almost have to play two. So that way they can't escape rope around you at the very least, because yeah. especially the lost box, which is going to be the primary target for your Empoleon. They're playing those escape ropes and most decks are unable to set up a lone Empoleon board nor necessarily should you <laughs> because right. that eventually could get knocked out. Um, so you have to set yourself up where you can keep pivoting between the Empoleons. 
when the escape ropes are played as opposed to just them getting around it with one card yeah absolutely so yeah it's been everywhere though it's been like a cancer the empoleon <laughs> oh and that i mean the you know may, maybe you have like maybe you have arguments for decks that can trade into one prize box i mean i think about a, Pal a palkia deck where you have the the Inteleons, right? So you could power up like one or two Inteleon and trade one for one, or you know, their their Pokemon honestly for an Inteleon for playing in a one prize box. Maybe you even get a two for one trade just because yeah. of how tanky the Inteleon is. So like maybe in that kind of deck where you where you, where you can kind of um, go in maybe with Palkia early and then pivot into an Inteleon or two, and then maybe you have the um, you know the uh, sorry for that weird hiccup there. Um, you have <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> But then, you know, maybe you, you splash the Empoleon in there somewhere uh, to try to just disrupt off of a Marnie or Roxanne or something. You know, there's there's kind of ways maybe some decks could play it. I think Palkia right now for me, from what I'm seeing, is maybe the best one that can utilize the Empoleon. Just because it's not your main attacker. It's not the only thing that you rely on. You do have the one prizer in Inteleon that can go favorable in the trade. So um, that might be the deck that I would consider it in. And, you know, Palkia is, like we said, still a top contender in this metagame. Uh, its numbers against Lost Box are actually pretty decent. Uh, and you can even get more creative with it. You could play a Canceling Cologne, for example, and mm -hmm. boss up the Manaphy and use, uh, use Radiant Greninja to knock out two Pokemon for a two for one. And then yep. you can trade with Teleon later and ultimately set up just these unsustainable prize trades for the Lost Box, Lost Box deck. So Palkia has a decent matchup there. It's decent against Kyurem. Kyurem often will fill its bench, uh, which means Palkia gets to eventually ramp up to the knockouts, especially with the help of Greninja. Yeah. And it's obviously just good against the field anyway. It was the big bad of the last format. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So Yeah, and, and yeah, and it, and it really gets to kind of spread its spread its wings, maybe a little bit more. I think it's a little bit under the radar now that we hooves. have these shiny new things, but it doesn't really surprise it wouldn't surprise me if Peoria is just rife with Palky and Talion because again, you're losing the one archetype in the Pikachu VMAX that throughout the World Championship kind of kept kept Palky in check a bit, right? It, certainly, Palky dominated Worlds, right? I mean, it was one of the most played decks, uh, if not the most played deck at Worlds. But, you know, it, it had that hard matchup into Pikachu, and so you're losing that for the most part, potentially, from what we've been seeing kind of in the online tournaments, and that just bodes well. Bodes well for that deck. So why would you play a Palkia versus a Kyurem, for example. You know, they're both the yeah. water decks that utilize Star Portal. Why might you choose one over the other? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think the Kyurem has the... Actually, it's it's Kyurem. Kyurem? I had Chip tell me that, actually. He, he DM'd me. He's like, here, listen to this video. It's Kyurem. So uh, the Kyurem deck. And thanks, Chip, by the way. I've um, been way closer than you. <laughs> no, no, I'm. I, it's for me. I because yeah. I said Ky, like Kyrim or something. You Ky, say Kyrim. I, that's what I like. If to I say, corrected Kyrim. you like on the spot when you first said it last week. Kyrim, Kyrim. Well, but now that I know, you just okay. didn't trust me. You know? I, well, I just, maybe I got a bad dub of the anime, and they said Kyrim. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Kyrim. Don't don't watch your anime on one two three movies. Yeah, clearly i shouldn't <laughs> clearly i shouldn't yeah the main character's name is arsh ketchup 
<laughs> People keep telling me it's Ash Ketchum. I don't know what they're talking about. Me. Um, yeah. So, so why would you play Kyrim over Paul? <laughs> you did it. Why would you play Kyrim over Paul Cantillon? <laughs> okay, um, we'll cut that in post. Why would you play Kyrim over Paul Cantillon? Kyrim has a higher damage output potential, right? You you have uncapped damage potential. We talked about that before on the cast, but just um, you know the that that's a little bit better into the V Star decks that could potentially limit their bench. You know, you think about Giratina could potentially limit their bench. Arceus decks obviously can limit their bench. So um, you know, if you're thinking that you're going to play into more of these big bads, as it were, then Kyrim. Curum would be <laughs> the way to go. Palkia, I think, like you were just saying, has a little bit better of a one-prize matchup and can still hang with the big guys. It just doesn't have that, you know, zero to 3,000 damage output potential that right. Curum does. So, um, you know, you just kind of have to weigh that and, uh, and decide what you think the proposed metagame might be. But I think having a favorable matchup into the one-prize box... It's probably a little bit more valuable than blasting V stars. Yeah, it almost feels planet. like uh, it almost feels like Kurum is just a better version of what Ice Rider was, so to speak. That's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know, Ice Rider had its pros and its cons, and I think Kurum has very similar pros and cons, just does it a little bit better. Um, but I think if one price decks are really on the rise, you wouldn't choose Ice Rider, and I think the same is is at its base level true for Kyurem, unless you're getting really creative with the list. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I think a lot of the lists are, are getting pretty focused right now. You're seeing a lot of Kyurem decks that are not just straight Kyurem, and they do play a Palkia line, so you have that kind of versatility and attacker and, and obviously can power up Kyurem's a little bit easier with the V-Star power on Palkia. But yeah, like you said, as long as this one prize box is kind of terrorizing the metagame and there's no real hard counter to it, Kyurem maybe is less appealing to me personally than yeah. Palkia. And uh, I think that'll that'll continue here as we uh, get, get ready for Peoria. I agree. So next question then is, do you think the Lost Zone Sableye Charizard box that has been sort of centralizing the online space, is that the best way to play Comfy? Or is there some alternative that may be as good or better i I think it's the coolest way (laughs) i i think i mean like you look at the tools and toolbox for that deck you have the cram right you should be getting that out on your first attacking turn you should be able to to utilize that you know if you if you've if you sequence correctly uh so that's just a quick 110 there and then ideally on that next turn or, or at least by the third turn, you found enough resources to start ramping up Sableyes and just throwing Sableyes at your opponent. And that's a really cool card because you're just being very, um, uh, you're being very efficient with your damage counters. I always love damage efficiency, right? <laughs> the, a knockout is a knockout whether you do 5,000 damage or you do exactly the amount of HP that that Pokemon has. So... You know, being able to efficiently place those damage counters where you want them, where you need them, knock out things on the bench, you know, snipe essentially, right, uh, is good for one energy on a one prizer. That's really nice. That's a, that's a nice uh, attribute to have. And then you can kind of clean up there with the Charizard. Also very good. 
Um, so is it the best way to play it? I, it it has a lot of the pieces. So I, I've been I initially played one prize box, and you guys can go on my YouTube and watch this. I, I was playing one prize box with Radiant Greninja, right? You can only choose one Radiant, so uh, the most popular variants right now are the Greninja or the Charizard. So if you play it with the Greninja, I don't necessarily think you gain anything in terms of the um, in terms of the the consistency of the deck because um, you, you do get the concealed cards ability that you can discard and draw cards but you also have to include a lot more cards that you don't necessarily want um, in the mirage gate is kind of the biggest one and then additional energies right so you're kind of the trade-off to me is not quite there especially now when you have lists that are playing multiple mana fee um, <laughs> so you're seeing this charizard list that is accounting for decks like Palkia Italian or one prize box that's focused around Greninja and they're playing multiple of the mana fee just to be able to get around that. So yeah. I think, you know, if you look at those two varieties and maybe you Riley have another variety that you're thinking of for one prize box, but I think of either Radiant Greninja or Radiant Charizard. I think the Radiant Charizard one just wins uh, out in terms of being the better deck. Just I mean, at this point I think it's, it's centralized more, on Charizard. To be honest, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and I'm I'm in agreement with kind of the the general public's view here. I, I do think that the Charizard is the best way to go, and I think for exactly the reasons that you said, like the Greninja pre- prefers to play a lot of those cards that really don't synergize with the rest of the one prizers. Yeah, um, so I think the Greninja is great in the Comfy decks, but I think it's only great in the Comfy decks that also utilize Mirage Gate and V and V Star Pokemon. Yeah, um, you know the Giratina, the Gudra, those kind of suckers. Like they love the Greninja, and it's a great slot into those decks. But Charizard just makes a little more sense, I think, in the Sableye deck. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the interesting things about the Charizard deck is that you can only utilize with the current builds that I've seen. There's no Raihan, there's no Double Turbo, there's no Magma Basin. So you can only really utilize the Charizard for two turns. Yeah, And so, you know, my question to you, Riley, is do you think that, you know, we've seen, obviously, Piper winning uh, with the Radiant Charizard Inteleon deck had all those cards in it, you know, the the Twin and the um, Magma Basin and the Raihan. Do you think those are at all needed in the one prize box deck? Do you think just attacking twice with your main attacker. You know, I would argue that the Charizard's the main attacker, right? You can you can argue about the Kramer and Sableye. I think those are just kind of getting you to, to where you really want to go, which is the Charizard. Um, but do you think that that's enough? Do you think that one prize boxes should adjust a bit to be able to utilize Charizard a little earlier? Yeah, I mean, clearly they're performing well. Like the last late night prior to this mm-hmm. episode was dominated by Lost Zone Charizard. Um, I don't love how it feels in the moment, at least, having to wait that long to utilize the Radiant Charizard effectively. And I guess there's other ways you could do it. You can maybe bench it with an energy early and, you know, maybe slap a second wand at some point in the game. Um, you could throw in some of those other tech cards as well. Um, the problem is they don't really synergize very well with the Lost Zone box on the whole. Like yep. the Magma Basin only works on Charizard, obviously. Right. Sure. And it's not as flexible as in the Inteleon deck where you can grab it on specific turns. Um, 
Raihan makes a little more sense, and I could see that maybe fitting in, but really you're trying to Colress almost every turn, and then maybe boss mm. uh, or Roxanne towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, or Clara at the very end of the game. Yeah, true, and, true. You know, at, at that point, you don't really have an opportunity to attach the twin energies, so you can't really use that super well. It's it's I, just awkward. Yeah, and I think I think too. I mean, you you, you lose the Inteleon, you lose the ability to search out that Raihan yep. um, at any point. So you're just kind of trying to build up this massive hand, and um, yeah, totally. That I'm just like, yeah, that just makes it harder to to find, right? And you do you of course do plow through the deck with these lost zone variants, but um, you know, one of Raihan might take a little while to find. Two of Raihan still might not show up on the turn. You actually need it. Um, they have to like coalesce that turn for example yeah. i so for the most part do i think it's a problem not necessarily i think you're still able to find your way through most matchups i think where it starts to become a problem is if there's really gigantic pokemon that play healing uh, because in that in those situations you want to be attacking with charizard to put the pressure on them in a way that like sableye and cramorant don't on their own mm-hmm. um I don't think there's too many decks like that right now, but I could certainly. I had a personal experience where I played against a, a Kyurem deck that used Cheryl, and mm. that was really unfortunate because I couldn't really use Charizard effectively to actually knock out the the Kyurems. Yeah, right. So that's that's kind of my take on it. You know, if I was able to use Charizard one turn earlier in those kinds of matchups, I actually could have taken a knockout, but that one turn let them Cheryl. Um, right so right. is yeah, that a fatal yeah, flaw that's... i don't think so but it is a flaw i guess yeah definitely definitely you don't you don't ramp up to that big damage output until last two turns of the game um so i think last question that i have just generally is with a an influx of maybe one prize decks this one prize box deck featuring the radiant charizard with that influx what what are some of the counters to that? I mean, we've talked about maybe Palky and Teleon as being um, a potential just archetype that has a favorable matchup into one prize box. But if you're not playing Palkia, is there any way that you could, you know, counter it? Or are there other decks besides Palky and Teleon that you feel like have solid matchups into one prize box? They're definitely out there. Uh, a good example actually is, if you look at the online scene, even, and just my own personal experience, the Gudra Lost Zone deck mm-hmm. is pretty good against single prize Lost Zone box. It just, it's really hard to actually knock out the Gudras. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially if you have like a, a Parasol on it or something, you just can't even get the damage counters on Ooh. it with the Sableye. Um, Spicy. So that's, I think, a good matchup for Gudra. Um, Arceus, like healing focused Arceus decks are pretty good against Lost Box as well. You just yeah. takes them way too long to because of situations like the Charizard only being usable for two turns. You can kind of just like deny them prizes over the course of the game uh, and eventually overwhelm them. Um, those are like the two that most immediately jump to mind. Um, other than that, it's just like single prize, alternative single prize decks that can like hang. Um, sure. of which there's only really Reggie and Reggie yeah. of course is Reggie. Um, but I think Reggie is pretty favorable into lost zone type decks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's really the only other 
one prize box uh, that we are no, sorry, one prize box. That's really so, only it's only a one, one prize, prize box deck. if you think about it. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Many people are saying this. Uh, the other, only other one prize decks we, deck we have in the format right now. So, yeah. The, the thing I like about the Reggie. Okay, so there are a couple things into uh, one prize box. I, I do want to point out with the Reggie deck. Reggies have a little bit too high of HP for the one prize box deck, and they can like potentially potentially attack like a little bit sooner with the things that they want to attack with you know yeah. uh, for knockouts right you can get a first turn cram ramp but you're not taking a knockout if the reg player can scoop that up or um you know pivot and and then you can t- potentially take multiple prizes with the uh with the reg lecky which is kind of fun <laughs> you snipe some, some comfies on the bench oh yeah yeah I, the reggie reggie does feel pretty good in the lost box uh, at the cost of playing Reggie. So whatever damage that does to you, psychic, whatever psychic type damage that does to you, um, you have to accept that. Yeah, you, you have a good matchup there, but um, you you played Reggie. Yeah, ratio plus L plus you played Reggie. <laughs> plus Reggie, yeah. <laughs> plus, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> so any other any other thoughts for, for this episode on on the directions that you're seeing in the format. I, th- I think it's really interesting. We'll obviously have a lot more to say next week as we digest more of these online results as we play more games ourselves. But anything you want to kind of any, any loose ends you want to wrap up on, on this episode in terms of what we've talked about so far? Um, no, I think we hit on kind of the mainstays and Polyon's everywhere. Lost Box is everywhere. They're button heads with each other <laughs> to see yep. who comes on top. And then Palky is just taking over all of it. <laughs> along the way so i think there's going to be a lot of development over the next week leading up to peoria i'm really excited to see what people bring and i'm really excited to take home the dub me too me too well with that thank you everybody for listening to the cast you can find us over on twitter the podcast is at tag team pokemon i am at real john walter and of course riley at smiles with riles catch us over there to stay updated on all things Pokemon trading card game. We appreciate all of your listenership so much. Be sure to leave a rate and review, uh, whether you liked it or if you had feedback. We appreciate it very much. And we will catch you all next time. Peace. See you.